Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. We have two guests who have joined us to have this conversation about International Women's Day. Of course, we know the first question is, why the 8th of March? We'll ask them. Faith Oyua is a gender program officer at We Effect East Africa. And Christine Okeno is from UN Women Kenya. She's a specialist on ending violence against women and girls. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Good morning Eric. Karibuni sana to Kenya's biggest conversation. Santi. Thank you. What you're sitting on, Christine, is the hot seat of the situation room. <laughs> it doesn't feel that hot, but thanks for the warning. <laughs> so far, so good. Where you are? Yes. Just by association, that is also the hot seat. That's where Ndu normally sits. Ndu is away uh-huh. uh, for the rest of the week. Thank you. But she said, Wikikuja, tukupatia kitiake. Asante. Karibu sana. To welcome you both, City has the day's proverb. It's from Rwanda. Yes, mm-hmm. our proverbs for the whole of this week are from the country of Rwanda. This one is a simple, straightforward proverb. The guest is always the prisoner of the host. <laughs> <laughs> the guest is always the prisoner of? Of the host. What do you get from that, Christine? What do you uh, think? I'm actually was going saying? to ask him to expound uh, on what he means let's, by let's being a Let's start with you. When you hear it, <laughs> it's a proverb. Uh, What's um, your interpretation? That I'm at your mercy. <laughs> that's number one. Uh, that's what I what I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully you uh, you are uh, favorable hosts, hosts mm-hmm. and uh, amiable. So it is nothing to be scared. Uh, <laughs> being your prisoner, I hope it's something pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Faith, what's your interpretation of it? Uh, still the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm here. At your mercy, also, mm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I'm also, uh, of course, uh, uh, you are relying so much on me, also. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then, by coming up with this proverb, what do you think they were trying to say? What is that <laughs> deeper meaning? In fact, the question I want to ask them is: yeah. when the Rwandese came up with this proverb. You think they were at a radio station mm. or a media uh, house and they were, hosts. And they were discussing <laughs> International Women's Day? I doubt it. What? So, what do you think they were referring to? Was mm. it not more of a social situation mm. where people are visiting? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Now, traditionally, you are at your best behavior when you visit. Definitely. Mm-hmm. When you have children, they are warned in advance. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Not these we days, though. At the risk of death. Yeah. <laughs> Not these days, though. When they go to the visitors, they keep quiet. Mm. Okay? Mm. And they speak only when they are spoken to, but children never obey. Mm. We used to obey that, of course. You'd know, come, visitors come, say hi, you disappear. But these days, not so much. Well, what happens these days? Visitors come, the children are jumping on the chairs. <laughs> And pulling the visitors hair. <laughs> and removing their glasses. And joining the conversation as well. Yes. Contributing. Yes. Contributing. Yes. But yes. think of eating. Mm-hmm. When you're being served food, 
let's say we, we talked about chicken at the, the, the beginning of uh, of the show mm-hmm. when you serve the piece that you don't particularly like and you're a guest do you tell them aish nani this hey, one how no <laughs> no definitely no you, you when you qu- go to rome you be like yeah, you yes. keep quiet and you say thank you and, and you, even tell and them in fact this is my this is my favorite piece the favorite yeah yes, mm. yes. And now you be given the claws you uh-huh. look at the claws and you want to this one where do i start eating this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah now we get it mm. yes so behave when you go to the <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> ladies today is international women's day why the 8th of march start with your faith uh march 8th globally is a day where we celebrate women and girls over the world one uh, we usually take stock of the milestone and the progress as a globe we've been able to do in trying to promote gender equality empowerment of women and girls it's also an opportunity also to share the challenges of women and girls are facing uh towards enhancing or realizing uh, gender equality but also it's also another opportunity where we continue reaffirming this journey towards uh, realizing gender equality mm. so it's uh, a day set aside every year so that we celebrate our achievements we reaffirm our women and uh, girls and also we call for action for more interventions and more actions towards uh, enhancing gender equality yes is there a specific reason why the 8th and not the 7th or the 9th <laughs> christine um not really but uh, just to also expound on what um, my colleague has said mm. and also say that uh, yes the, the the day has been chosen as 8th month but the whole month of march we call it the international women's month where we take stock of the progress as faith has said mm. what women uh, have made what are the great strides um, how far have we come uh, what is setting us back and and what further can we do to ensure that we reach where we are supposed to to reach in terms of achieving gender equality and empowerment of all women and girls worldwide mm-hmm. without leaving any woman behind uh, taking into consideration that women are not a homogeneous group you know uh, there are those nuances that um, maybe as we are empowering women and towards achieving gender equality and ensure that those who are disadvantaged for various reasons that are at the risk of being left farthest behind for whatever reasons are also being brought along so that we don't have other women moving steps um, ahead while others are continuously being disadvantaged and uh, and being remaining behind we work as a team together so while we take eighth march as the day the international women's day we actually expound it and uh, and 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 uh, hog the whole of uh, the month of march and say it's international women's month just to celebrate women and the strides and uh, women of all categories and uh, globally as well where is the the un headquarters it's in new york yes, isn't it yes yes you know there is um, social labor movement in the us mm. um one of the things that happened on this very 8th day in 1957 that was a year before i was born mm. uh women who worked in a clothing factory decided to protest and they decided to march and what they were fighting for was shorter working hours and a pay that was equal to what the men were being paid mm-hmm. now that began this movement of yours mm-hmm. because it had not been done before ever mm-hmm. remember we lived in a time there was a time when even women didn't work in industries 
And when they worked, they were not only underpaid, they were underprivileged. And those are the areas where child labor was also accepted. Mm. So it's the protest, visible, loud, marching, large numbers on this particular day. And they said, no, 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 this isn't happening. We mm. work long hours. These fellows work short hours. They get better pay. Mm. We want shorter hours and we want better pay. Yeah. Yes. Mm. So, so, that's so it brought to the fore the whole activism about equality. Yes. yes. About rights. Yes. Mm. Yes. But you know mm. where I'm heading with this, huh? mm. because I'm thinking that was the day and it was marked by this particular event. Mm. The thing that has always been on my mind when I listen to the talks around gender equality mm. is in an African context, how do we fit it in? Because in the international context i understand what mm. is being spoken of but mm. okay let me reverse the question what are the inequalities that women face in an african mm. context that's the question i'm actually asking because mm. to ask for this equality it means you are rectifying something that isn't quite mm. right so mm. what are the inequalities mm-hmm. um, if you allow me to start then the faith can continue a lot of inequalities still exist uh, in terms of is it uh, be it equal access to resources we still know, for instance, in Kenya, even if you look at the recent uh, Kenya Demogra- Demographic and Health Survey, uh, land ownership, women are still greatly disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. So equal access and use of resources, still inequality exists there in terms of access and um, to education. Women and girls are still lagging behind, and this also affects the opportunity that they're able to get between employment or in terms of, uh, of businesses uh, and the skills that, they, that, they, that they, they gain in terms of education. And even if they have that access, that those um, existing norms or cultural beliefs and, um, and, uh, and biases that maybe will, to some extent, affect how far they can go in terms of uh, the career choices they make, uh, the kind of uh, the job market they're able to go into. And then also we do have the, um, the increasing burden, the burden of care work that women and girls are often uh, disproportionately the ones who are uh, taking a lot of this care work uh, at home. So that one also affects uh, the participation in the society, the participation in the public life and leadership. Uh, so those are the kind of inequalities that for us in the African context are still very much... Um, in the limelight so that uh, it does not look like inequality maybe uh, if the match started in the u.s as you mentioned that it is not relevant to us in an african context how do we contextualize it in kenya and say that these issues are still relevant to us and this is the equality that we need to fight for for instance in kenya as a people of kenya where women are, and girls are still lagging behind but also i leave it to my colleague to expand yeah, further yeah, yeah, in other yeah. areas thank you so much uh, there are so many also so many inequalities women are facing in africa and also in Kenya, in our own context. Mm. For example, when it comes to women participation in decision-making at all levels, starting at uh, even at the family level, going to the institutions, maybe where they are either engaged as members, maybe of organizations, mm. in workplaces, there are also a lot of uh, um, women being left out in key decision positions making positions and uh, levels when you look at uh, the workplaces for example and uh, these days women are also educated but you realize some of the top managerial positions still are yet dominated majority by men so there's that um, um, parity when it comes to women occupying those key positions in organizations and also taking up leadership position in many of the organizations when it comes to issues of uh, control 
over resources. Mm. She talked about the access, but there is also the issue of control of the benefits. Mm. Uh, if I take a woman who is a farmer, she is much engaged in the production, much much of her time in uh, in labor, mm. uh, marketing. But when it comes now to assessing the benefit from the farm, she is left out, maybe in decision making, and she might also not realize. How much was fetched, and she's not even involved in the decision making of how that money is going to be used. So there are so many avenues where we are, uh, as women, left behind, uh, uh, and this causes a lot of inequalities. But as we talk about all those things that you've raised, and they are valid points, yes, mm. is the situation in 2023 the same as the situation in 1983? Definitely not. I mean, if we talk about control of the resources, are you telling me that today's woman is actually participating in putting bread on the table, but not deciding how many slices she's going to take? The situation has really changed <laughs> when you compare like a decade ago. Mm. And this is because of a lot of efforts of so many players mm. uh, in this field. Uh, we as also development workers, uh, uh, as uh, experts in that field, we are doing quite a lot in terms of empowering the communities, empowering the people in the households, and other players, starting from the private sector, the government, and other, and also the other avenues where women um, are getting enlightened and empowerment and empowered, going to school getting education, getting awareness and skills. Mm -hmm. And these are has really improved the situation. There's a lot of advocacy also around that area in all platforms, in the media, also in other platforms where uh, generally the community, not only women and girls, but also men and boys, mm -hmm. everybody is involved in this journey to make sure that the situation of women and girls change. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what remains as a sticking point now, today? Mm -hmm. I would say a lot of progress especially has been made in terms of the legal and policy framework uh, and uh, especially uh, in Kenya. Mm. We've come a long way in terms of our law on equality starting from the constitution which thereafter had a ripple effect on a number of laws to ensure that women are, and girls are on the same playing field, be it in terms of ownership of resources, um, access to finances. Uh, we have a lot of affirmative action funds um, that you, I, I'm sure you might be aware of a few of them mm. and the laws and the implementation of these laws. But uh, what is still holding um, us back for me, in my own view, I would say, is still the, the social cultural beliefs, you know. I always say that the fact that somebody is educated does not automatically erase uh, the biases and the beliefs and the norms that you grew up with. It is not easy to change uh, what you consider or what you are brought up with as the norm. If, um, for instance, um, in, in a, your community uh, does not um, or, or frowns upon a certain behavior, for instance, it is very hard. Um, Yes, of course, there are those instances where somebody can be an outlier and uh, defy certain things. But mm. uh, despite the education level at times, you find women are still held back by certain beliefs. You know, uh, this is what women do in our community. Uh, the husband is the head of the family. For I know, example. for instance, I know I'm a lawyer by profession. Mm. And I know, for instance, at work, women who would, despite earning, uh, take their whole salary and the man decides. So I earn, he earns. With the money that I earn, he again gives me. This is for her. This is as 3, an advocate. Yes, <laughs> as an advocate, as an advocate of the high court, 
well, for me. Mm. So you see, she's educated. She knows the right. You're supposed to be an advocate of the high court. You know all the laws. But there's still the belief that the man is the head of the household. So I bring my money. We have a pot. Then he decides, uh, Christine or Faith, 3,000 is for here. I, I had you mentioned in 3,000. Uh, 1,000 is for your money, Kiwa. This is for the household. There are still people who believe in that. So when we talk about empowerment, we have to say, yes, progress has been made. Mm. But there's still those um But uh, is, that, is such a person disempowered? Of if course. the person willingly <laughs> takes the money and says, uh, husband, we are a household, here's mm -hmm. the money, all right? Mm -hmm. And now, let's say, uh, have the conversation about how you're going to divvy up the money. Is that person a disempowered? To some extent, they are. Why shouldn't, so? you, why shouldn't you have the agency to decide... Uh, how to spend the money that you but work for. You have it, but, but you've decided you, to you've seed it. You've already decided. Why? Uh, you see, let's mm. go by what you have said. Yeah. She earns a salary, then mm. she takes the salary. Mm -hmm. She takes the salary. Why is she taking the salary? Because of the norms, the belief for her that she has been brought up, that, that the man you, decides. That is you the who man is decides. deciding that. No, no, no. It's a, that person, that person it's, it's a like you said, this person <laughs> has gone through school, has <laughs> gone to Karen, has left Karen, has come to the high court, has been admitted to the bar. This yes. person is exposed. It doesn't okay? automatically. Also this person it takes time. willingly seeds <laughs> this, what you call agency. Mm -hmm. It takes time for to, some to somebody to realize that I have the power and I can't make the decision to decide for myself how to spend. It takes time. So at times when we talk about, yes, you're going to school, you're all empowered. There are various levels of empowerment. I was mm -hmm. just trying to say that despite uh, that education and the progress that we have made, uh, we are still not there yet. We still need uh, to do much more realizing that people come from various backgrounds and that we, the advocacy that we do targets specific uh, mm -hmm. social cultural norms, working with the communities, working with the opinion leaders in those communities mm -hmm. specifically in order to ensure that, yes, uh, even as communities, uh, it benefits you to ensure that women have this agency so that even if the man uh, as the head of the household, for instance, is not there, your woman is not disempowered to the point of she cannot make decisions in terms of as a head of a family if you're not there, for instance, you know. So also working with those uh, community leaders, the male champions, to ensure that you can work, you can be co-leaders in a family together and it is beneficial for the family for you to be having that leadership and the agency to decide the course of this family. It's still a work in progress, Eric. That's what I'll say in, in brief. <laughs> I don't know if I'm convincing, you don't look convinced. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> But it's okay. I'm actually wondering where the problem is. Similarly, I'm just thinking, because what I understand you to be mm. saying, Christine, is mm. that such a person is disempowered because of their social, cultural upbringing and beliefs that they hold. Yeah, what All right? is, yeah. Now, at what point do they have the agency to actually make a decision? Do they have did they decide that they want to be mm. this the career they want to take mm -hmm. did they decide that this the career they want to practice mm. did they decide the job that they want to uh, take up whether it's mm. private practice mm. or employment mm. did they decide the day they want to get up and go to work mm. did they decide at what point Is do the they become the same no yes they are. <laughs> mm. um looking back in terms of deciding mm. For us who are a bit older, <laughs> when, uh, of course, we are uh, growing up, in terms of decision-making for us as children, 
we did play a lot mm. like for me deciding which course i'm going to do mm. in the university that was decided by my father yeah and when i went to the university i realized this is what this is not what i want so i changed my course uh-huh. immediately mm. because i realized this is not what i want yeah. so what i am trying to say is that sometimes we might not decide at early stages at early ages but as we continue getting to understand mm. we have that uh, uh, space to make our own decision yeah. and uh, which directions we want to grow to go to go so but for women looking at the women uh, the rural setup mm-hmm. or w- when she's talking about bringing everything the situation has really improved but mm. we can't say that we are we are yet there i can give an example because for us we we, we work with the rural women mm. and sometimes we organize for them for trainings and uh, these trainings maybe could be residential mm. so you realize we have targeted few women and some because we are now going to talk about technology because that's the theme yep. mm. they might own, they might not own mobile phones maybe where mm. we need to reimburse yes. the transport <laughs> yeah. and if they have maybe this woman will give the number of the husband that's where the money is sent mm-hmm. so she doesn't have control even that small allowance of transport so she has to send it back to the husband and who knows whether he's going to refund so sometimes uh, we, we we can't say we are yet there there are some who are still not able to make any decision when it comes to benefits like money what we are we are just discussing here mm. yeah. yes you know the negative aspects of social norms mm. are what leads people to desiring and pushing for change yeah. mm-hmm. because sometimes there are certain social understandings or there are certain social contracts that people have which they themselves may be fairly comfortable with for whatever reason mm. yes now us looking from the outside in yeah yes you may look at it and think but <laughs> how is that okay? how are you okay with yeah, this this is truly odd and mm. and actually they actually very fine with it oh yeah very yes. okay with it if you look at some of the norms that some communities have like let us say uh f- let me be gentle with it female circumcision okay mm-hmm. the people who are at the forefront of encouraging and enshrining and ensuring its strength has been women for the longest time mm-hmm. the men play a role yes mm-hmm. but it's the women now you'd look and wonder but surely can they not see some of the harm that some of these practices actually bring about and what we forget is that you're looking at the harm but you forget what is associated with social benefits mm-hmm. which is what they see now you may not see it yes who decide the social benefits now you see mm. if you didn't participate in that benefit mm. then you'll consider okay. it a harm yeah mm. and if you consider it a harm at some point you will resist it mm. but i'm talking about when there's an absence of adequate resistance mm. to something that you are calling negative then you have to ask yourself what is this thing that these people find positive in this mm-hmm. there is something mm-hmm. there maybe they hold on to it mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. which we might mm-hmm. not understand yes like now the issue are discussing about uh, the fgm mm-hmm. there is underlying reasons why it is done and when you go deeper in discussing with them the women the old women will tell you so many advantages of it which for me from as an outsider I will not understand but mm. there is a lot of value attached to that but because it's we are looking at it as a negative issue as a mm. negative norm they will not come out 
because they know you are against it but for mm. them in their own inner circles when we are not there they are they, they are advocating for it because they have their own values uh, and uh, on why that practice is important for them that's why because we are against it in terms of policy and the government they are trying when you go to some of these community they are doing it they are even looking for other ways avenues of uh, dodging and mm. doing it like we are told now the some of them they do when they the women get back they are giving birth that's when they do it and in some communities they have ceremonies mm. maybe like a month or so that's when they do it when you don't know so they will look for ways of dodging out and make sure that it is done because to them culturally they have a value on it and they gave they can give you reasons you please go ahead um oh, uh, just to supplement what my colleague is saying but culture because um talking to my colleagues who work on the field of, of fgm uh this the they're telling me that a lot of trends and progress has been made especially on the um, the the, the ma community practicing communities so uh, slowly but sure the community are seeing the harmfulness of it so if you look at the latest dhs the progress that has been made in terms of the community practicing fgm in certain communities they mm -hmm. have seen and the elders and the male who the men who revere you know a woman who's been um, circumcised you know and uh, being told about the harm and 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 the community stands changing to the point of 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 the the data the statistics going down has it has taken a lot of time but they are slowly but surely coming on board as allies in certain communities but also the opposite mm -hmm. is to what you're saying in other communities where now uh, to evade the Kenyan um, mm. law and the stringent rules, they are doing the cross-border uh, FGM. They go across the border to do it where it is acceptable. Uh, it is also being done as girls are much younger and younger and before they are aware, before we can reach them mm. with our awareness so that they can resist. So you find younger and younger girls so that before you are aware, before we can catch you with our awareness, you know, before you even go to school. Mm. And also as she's saying, um, for the older women, maybe that uh, you are not circumcised uh, growing up, they catch you at the point of um, of giving mm -hmm. birth. So it's 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 a double-edged sword. There's progress on one end. There's still a lot of resistance on the other end. But all they're saying it takes time for those the community to realize that yes, uh, the norms have been there, but it is harmful in such a such a way. And we are seeing progress. And this is how you can do. And there are alternatives uh, to these um, ceremonies that you can still perform in. Mm -hmm. To, uh, to have also respect your communities and uh, um, whatever you, you revere and hold dear to yourselves without harming the woman in terms of their health, their yeah. productive health and all that. And they slowly but surely they're coming on board. Let's discuss, yeah. continue the conversation shortly after we take this break. This is The Situation Room. The only way to start your day. We continue our conversation on this International Women's Day with Faith Wayua from We Effect and Christina O'Kerno from UN Women. This the theme for this year is around technology. I know the hashtag is hashtag embrace equity. But what about technology, Faith? Um if you know we have the sustainable development goals. Sustainable development goal number five is about gender equality and empowerment of women and innovation and technology is one of the target uh, towards realizing that goal and uh, this theme uh, for this year is digital innovation and technology uh, supporting gender equality and uh, technology and innovation is the way to go in all aspects and from where I sit uh, because we work with pharma organizations um, we are supporting them in their agricultural activities, for example. Mm -hmm. So, 
you will not talk about realizing full benefits without technology without innovation so i think it's timely because uh, there is a lot uh, technology and innovation is contributing towards increasing productivity for example mm. for farmers but again also there is a lot of uh, challenge when it comes to gender gap uh, in accessing di- digital innovation and technology in terms of access where both men and women uh, are different uh, when it comes to access they cannot have the same access rights so it's critical to us uh, from where i see it mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of progress when it comes to innovation and technology uh, right from the infrastructure connectivity digitization there's quite much which is contributing a lot to development like you say at we effect you work a lot with farm organizations yes. all right so give us what you see when you work with these organizations in terms of their access to technology and what they are using that technology for how does it benefit them yes. and especially focusing on the women in those groups yeah our farm organization majority are cooperatives who are maybe doing coffee production marketing and also export mm-hmm. and also in dairy and these are s- some of these uh, um, enterprises or value chains uh, cash crops which you cannot uh, realize benefits without technology but uh, uh, there there's quite quite a lot they have been able to do to advance but there are a lot also for challenges when it comes to uh figuring out uh, do we have the right technology to maximize what we are supposed to uh what we want by the end of the day mm. so as much as they are doing so much in trying to invest in uh, technology and innovation there are quite quite a lot of challenges one for example um as uh, also we continue advancing technologies continue to advance when you look at the coffee uh factories for example majority of these organizations are still using the old machineries mm. which um compromise the quality of the of of course the the coffee mm. but if the quality is bad of course by the end of the day you will not be able to maximize the profits so uh, as much as um, they are, they are trying their best there are many challenges uh production has gone down and this organization rely on uh, on farmers uh, um uh sales sales from the farmers produce which has also gone down so they they don't really benefit so much when it comes to uh, trying to catch up with the technology and the right machinery to be able to 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 enjoy benefits in the market mm. but all the same still uh, when you look uh, at uh, how the technology is um helping women uh who are members of this organization a lot is also being done although we are not yet there this farm organization they, they they provide space where farmers can or through through support from uh development partners and other players a lot of technologies can be demonstrated uh in those organization and the farmers are able to benefit and also adopt those technologies uh majority of the farmers for example are faced by challenges of uh, uh, climate change um adaptation and mitigation is very critical mm. and for this adaptation and mitigation we also need to adopt 
a few of the technologies to be able to prob probably able to adopt uh, like we are talking about green energy solutions yes. maybe for 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 farmers yeah. which should trickle down at household level for the women also to be able to take advantage of uh, such kind of technologies when i'm talking of green energy solutions and or technologies there's quite a lot for farmers for example where farmers who are in dairy they are able to benefit from uh, greenhouse technologies for example solar solar technologies for irrigation and things like that so we we are, we are quite uh, much uh, doing a lot but uh, we still believe there is a lot and that's why this day is quite important for us probably to to talk about it and be able to talk about also the the gender gap when it comes to assessing innovation and technology for women and men farmers mm -hmm. yeah i'd like to ask um when we talk about farming mm -hmm. And we reference uh, the participation of women. Mm. I'd like to understand what exactly do women do in this farming space? Mm -hmm. The actual activities that they are involved in. What is it that they do? Uh, farmers, uh, women farmers, uh, generally uh, from the rural setup, mm. they contribute the biggest percent of labor mm. in our farms. They are the ones who are digging. Uh, pruning, if it's coffee, mm. harvesting and taking this to factories. Mm. And also, um, and you realize in most households in the rural setting, uh, due to uh, rural urban migration, in most of the households, uh, the, the, the spouse, maybe they are in the urban areas uh, looking for green pastures. But the women, the, most of them are, are in, the, in the farm as well as in the household, okay. taking care of household issues, cause and also right. in the farm. Why ask but the along the value chain, yes, much of their um, contribution mm. is the in the early stages of the value chain, mm. in production, mm. um, harvesting, and even taking all these harvests to market if they have okay. to take that to the market. Okay. Yeah. You've painted a clear picture, but then. I want you to explain further how now appropriate technology would come in to give women the advantage that is necessary and what this technology is and what it will actually do to bring about the improvement in situation that we're talking mm -hmm. about. Yes, it will depend on what, uh, of course, the kind of uh, engagement or enterprise or farming activities they are doing. Mm. If we take off um, food crops, for example, when we are talking about technology, it starts from what kind of farming inputs they are using. Mm. Mm. Um, in terms of fertilizers, quality seeds, because right from there, if you use the right seed, mm. because uh, it's part of technology, mm. it will give you a guarantee. For example, if other factors, of course, work well, like uh, uh, rains and all that, at least uh, as you continue growing this crop, you are guaranteed of better, better produce and better, better harvest. So at that level, inputs is key. Uh, issues of fertilizer, seeds, and all that, but also uh, the tools, the farming tools which they are using. Uh, of course, uh, with innovation and technology, depending on the farm, 
uh, there are some who are a bit mechanized yeah mm. but there are others who are still using the the normal old mm. traditional kind of technologies mm. so depending on the kind of technology you are using that will guarantee the kind of also uh, output you are going to get by the end of the day when you go further in that value chain there is also the aspect of uh post harvest and lean and harvesting and if you are not using the right technologies or you are not innovative enough there is a lot of post harvest losses depending on kind of innovation and technologies you are using when you are doing harvesting mm. a lot of wastage there mm. but uh, if you if you using innovation for example like where i come from we are mango farmers mm. right now there is of course the season is ending mm. but there has been a lot of wastage mm. because there are challenges of market but if you are having right technologies there are, there are farmers who are using technologies like having sun dryers where you are able to for example dry the fruits and uh, package them and be able to sell in the market when the supply mm. is not there mm. also converting these mangoes to juice and other value addition mm. so all these has to go hard in hand with technology and uh, what we do and what we encourage is that because women are involved a lot in this are they trained do they have the skills to understand the kind of te- technologies we are going to use uh this technology is also meeting our needs and uh, uh, also are uh, they taking care of also us because as you also bring in a technology you have to consider the needs of women mm. don't bring a technology which is also going to affect them uh, in terms of their, 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 exactly. their, the way they the physically they are and biologically they are spraying for example uh, because at some point they have to use the spraying and um, the recommended one but mm. how does it affect the health or some machineries maybe they will need a lot of energy do yeah. they have this energy also yes or to operate some of the machinery yes yes mm. if they are the pumps and do they have the energy to operate that so you have to consider in every technology you are using and recommending you have to have women at the center mm. in deciding this kind of technology yeah. the gender <laughs> lens yeah, yes. when we talk about violence mm. christine mm. you are a specialist mm. on ending <laughs> not a specialist on violence <laughs> specialist on ending like violence that, yes. against women and girls mm. how does technology play yeah um for us at you when we look at technology uh first and foremost as an accelerator to achievement of gender equality uh, we recognize the tremendous growth of adoption of technology Uh I was looking at uh, uh, latest figures from the the UN International Telecommunications Union as at 2022 two thirds of the world's population is connected to the internet and up to 98% have access to mobile uh telephone connection. Uh but still as uh, Faith mentioned there's still that digital gap where uh, despite that enormous growth for instance in Africa only 34% of women are using the internet as against 45% of men and the interesting thing about the african case is that while other regions like the arab states and the asia region has seen growth for us in the last 3 years there has been no growth in that statistics so mm. the gender gap has it has been stagnant that way for the last 3 or so years uh for whatever reason but i i i i am not able to and go into details growth in use not in, access in use okay. use internet usage and uh 
we do know for uh, uh, a UNESCO report that by 20 they were projecting that by 20, 2050 about 20, 75% of jobs are going to be digital mm. so if we are having that slow uptake first of all in Africa and also the gap is still existing as it has in the last three years mm. what does it mean for the African woman in particular it means uh, by and large, they're going to be left out of these lucrative jobs. We have seen the opportunities that exist in the internet space. We are seeing the e-citizen services. Yes. So if only 34% of the African woman uh, can access that, uh, imagine a simple thing like applying for your ID, Huduma number, all those simple uh, services you have there in the e-citizen. Uh, about over 70% are locked out of that. Mm. We have online learning and distance learning opportunities that uh, we saw with the COVID coming in, very, um, the growth that that took in the trajectory that that took, uh, still we'll have that population being left behind. We saw services like uh, online and virtual courts. Mm -hmm. The courts are able to continue offering critical services. Uh, but what about those who are not um, connected to, first of all, they did not have mobile phones and were not connected to the internet. How are they left behind in terms of accessing this um, this critical space? And we've seen the the kind of job that exists currently, content creation, uh, the, the podcasting, the, the influencing, and all those kind of things. Mm. If we have the women and girls not even having the basics in terms of telephone uh, use and internet use, definitely they're not they're then being the less... Um, uh, beneficiaries of mm. this kind of growth but on the flip side also with the growth of the of, of, of technology and internet we are seeing that the violence is shifting online uh, what does it mm -hmm. mean it does not mean that the physical violence that has been there has stopped but by and large uh, it has moved online for various reasons uh, the, 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 the anonymity that the online space offers you know mm. uh, you're being harassed, you're being bullied. And this specifically, especially in the last two years because of COVID, mm. and last year it was specifically bad because uh, during the election. I do, last year I was working on a program on elections, specifically targeting uh, in support to ending violence, um, mm. electoral uh, GBV, gender-based violence. And let me tell you, Eric, uh, if you speak to any female politician, even last year when we were having the 16 days of activism, from the highest level of a politician to the MCA level, no one was spared in terms of the online attacks, the misinformation, the, the harassment, uh, and it was bad. It was really, really bad. And, and uh, you look at it in terms of, first of all, they'll tell you uh, why there's anonymity. Uh, in Kenya, we call it pseudo accounts. You know, mm. you don't even know who is insulting. You don't know who is the proper uh, spreading this propaganda. But it is taken as reality. You know how it spread like wildfire. Mm. It comes from is it Facebook or wherever. We have it on our WhatsApp group, the Telegram groups, publicized all over. Blogs yeah. pick it up, and there are also the issues of paid blogs, uh, bloggers uh, that are being paid to spread that misinformation and disinformation and just harass uh, maybe an op opponent. And then also a lot of the people who are being harassed will say, uh, you report. Uh, the authorities uh, trivialize it. And particularly if you are a woman, uh, in terms of violence, online violence, there are certain categories of women who are more targeted than others. Women in the public sphere, uh, women politicians specifically, mm -hmm. female journalists, surprisingly, are up to globally the statistics from UN, UN says about 75% of women journalists mm -hmm. have experienced some form of online violence. And uh, also the women human rights defenders. Uh, these are people who fight for you know, women's rights and are very active and use the online space for advocacy and awareness and stuff. They are also targets. So first of all, when you report, they say, uh, if you even have the energy to report, because first of all, some people think, ah, uh, it was um, an online thing. Huh? So it was, I was not physically 
cut or harm. Mm. So you, uh, as the person suffering, you might not even know it is um, a crime to report, first and foremost. For those who know, you're asked, but you're a politician, what did you expect? It is normalized and taken as part and parcel of what it's you signed up for. for the cause. Mm. Mm. In fact, mm. I need to ask, mm. when you did your research, <laughs> yeah. did you find that the women who are involved in politics mm. uh, faced more attacks and more insults than the men? Or was it... Uh, okay. Yes, the research says about 28% of, uh, of women are... Uh, as compared to, I did not, uh, the men were much less, but also I've spoke with uh, male politicians. The funny thing is um, a few of them would tell you, uh, I would not mention the governor, but he mm. says, uh, my social media person handles that. I don't mm. even interact with my posts. So even the violence is so vicious that even somebody who is well-established as a governor says, they, they post, off they post mm. but they don't read the comments. Like, uh, I'm sorry, I'll post this, my social media person, but I'm also scared of the attacks. But you see the opportunity to interact with their constituents, you're losing that because you know how social media is very interactive. You mm. get your constituents there. The young people are there. But if somebody, because of the kind of attacks and the viciousness that Kenyans have on the internet, is scared to even read their own comments in their own page, yeah. and they blatantly tell you it's because of the kind of attacks, we also lose out as a, a in terms of communicating with our leaders and, and, and escalating issues because of the kind of, of army. You know how Kenyans are proud of the, being at the KOT army? Mm. We are very proud in saying, I remember when the fifth president was in and people are like, we are waiting for him to just do something and we chase him out of future like we chase the former president the fourth and it's something that kenyans will proudly say on the internet like it's 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 a badge of honor that they kicked out yeah. their, their former president out of twitter and they're just waiting for the fifth to also make some moves and they'll ensure they bully him out of twitter mm -hmm. and and you see such kind of normalization even makes now you can imagine now for a younger if you can kick a president out of such yeah. platforms imagine an mca but consider, or a student leader consider mm. You have leaders who mm. actually have social media individuals who are in charge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. They've seen the need for it. Mm. For them to block, they have read, they have an idea what goes on there. Yeah. And they have employed. So essentially, they're fueling that particular, now, the, 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 that particular mm. activity. Mm. Now, if our political space, it has been understood mm. that you must get bloggers, mm. you must get people who engage in this. Mm. When you say it's normalized, mm. then it means... It points not so much to a specific a specific attack on women, but it's a degradation of our values and a perspective that we have had. It's just that women are getting the wrong end of the stick. Mm -hmm. True, because uh, it is a reflection of what is happening in the normal. Not, let me not call it normal GBV, but the the. The, what is happening like in terms of physical sexual it is translating online so the same way that uh, that the women and the girls are bearing the brunt of uh, the rape yeah. uh, the defilement the harassment in the workplace or is it in the public spaces the matatus it continue they it continue mm -hmm. continues online, online now just because, as viciously as viciously just because and they have more protection because i can have a pseudo account and yeah? then it's also seen it's by anonymous and uh, more people worse. are seeing it so it is just a continuum and also mm. the women are also saying it doesn't mm. stop online because due to certain things i was here yesterday i learned about a word called doxing mm. Mm. where somebody uh displays your information maybe they're insulting you online but they can't do some things and find out eric lives in such and such a place in this house number so that violence after attacking you online yeah. people can actually get where you work you drive this car number and they can and they actually physically, physically attack harm you. you yeah this is an interesting conversation, but we thank you very much, ladies, for joining us and for uh, having this conversation with us. How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, 
or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.